Okay, we'll go ahead and get started. My name is Dr. Natalie Mullen-Leischer. I am the director of the Institute for Cross-Cultural Training at Wheaton College. Have you guys heard of Wheaton College? A lot of people, are there any Wheaties in the audience there? Usually there are some. Okay, so you've come to a session on language learning. And presumably you all, or most of you, are medical professionals. So could you just shout out what fields you work in? Pharmacy. Alan, you may have to repeat for me. I can't really hear. We've got a pharmacy, dentistry, nursing. nursing. OR nursing, okay, cool. Ophthalmology. Okay, good, we've got a range. And then I wanna ask, um, let's do this by a show of hands. I can see maybe like three-fourths of you. So how many of you have been on a missions trip before? Okay, great. Now keep your hand up if you've been and lived somewhere overseas for six months or longer. Okay, great. What about one year or more? Okay, cool. And uh, two years or more? Okay, cool. Now I want you to raise your hand if you've ever done any language learning while living abroad. Maybe that study abroad or whatever. Okay, cool. All right, great. Then for those of you who are comfortable, can you shout out some of the languages that you're interested in learning? French, Creole. Hebrew. Hebrew, okay. Arabic. Arabic. I heard Arabic, and then what was the other one? Portuguese. Portuguese? Yes. Great. Any others? Okay, you've hit some of the big ones. Raise your hand if you want to learn French. I think you'll probably need to learn French at some point. Usually French and then Arabic, those are really big ones. Okay, great. Thanks. That really helps me as we kind of talk through this. So as I said, I'm the director of the Institute for Cross-Cultural Training at Wheaton College. What we want to talk about today here are our objectives. They're listed in the program, too, I believe. We want to understand the biblical and humanitarian reason for making language learning a priority in your life and ministry on field. Um, we're gonna list some common pitfalls that medical and healthcare professionals make with language and culture learning. You all are a special group of people, so you have some special pitfalls. Uh, and then you also have some special things that help to make you successful as well. So we're gonna identify those real keys to success as a medical professional in the field. And then I hope and pray, and we have a lot of people praying for you. There's at least a couple hundred people praying for you just from our side with ICC. They're praying that you get a real vision for what language learning could be like and the different approaches that you can take. As we talk through this, I want to invite you all to make an appointment with me to schedule a consultation or just have a chat about language learning. My calendar is here on the slide deck. It's calendly.com slash Natalie Mullen. You can also find this on our website at www.wheaton.edu slash ICCT. I spend a lot of my days talking with people just like you about language learning pre-field and on-field and all of the things that involve that. So the Institute for Cross-Cultural Training, that's basically what we do. So we're in the Applied Linguistics 
Wisconsin International Education Department. We're also connected with education. We have existed since 1991. We're one of the premier missionary training centers in North America and around the world. And we're kind of known as the language experts. So people know that if you have a question about language learning or if you have a hard language you're learning or there's a tough situation regarding language learning, people call us. And that's our main ministry. All of the things that we do are actually fully online. And we've been fully online for, I think, 12 years now. I've been doing this personally for 14. We put it online about a couple years into that. We do trainings, workshops, classes, certifications for missionaries and cross-cultural Christians all around the world, including the U.S. We are people that you come to when you need to do a pre-field second language acquisition course or culture learning course, or you come to us when you're already on field and you need some help in language learning. We do leadership training for missions personnel in regards to language coaching. There are going to be people called language coaches that some of you might get assigned to or may be interested in becoming someday. We're the only place that does that type of training. I spend my days also consulting with missions agencies. So if you are with a missions agency or looking at one of them, there's a great chance that we already work with them. We're kind of the behind the scenes in missions work, okay? And I think if you've been a missionary before or as you're considering going out, you'll find out that language learning is also one of those behind the scenes skills that people don't usually think to ask you about and how it's going. And people really don't know how to give you advice. And it's something that like can kind of make or break your time on the field. So it's one of those behind the scenes, usually curtains are pulled over it. People don't write home about language learning a lot of the time, but it's one of the most important things that you'll do. We also offer uh, workshops and certifications in teaching language. Um, we offer that in the field of TESOL, and then that just applies to other languages. And we all the time we have free webinars and, and things like that. So check out our website, wheaton.edu slash ICCT. You can learn more about that. You probably should know a little bit about me so that you can believe a little bit about what I'm saying. Um, I have been working with missionaries for 14 years, but this is my second career. My first career was working with adult language learners. I was an ESL teacher. I was, a, I was a missionary with the International Mission Board. I was in China for a couple of years. I assumed that I would go back to the Middle East, so I came back to the States to get my master's in TESOL, and God directed my path to be the preparer and the sender rather than the one that goes. And so that was kind of a crazy path for me, but here I am. I uh, taught English in China for a couple of years. I lived in Spain. I um, have a doctorate in education policy, and my focus is on language policy, which includes um, working with missions organizations and figuring out how and why people learn language or don't learn language and how to help that process along better. Um, again, there's my Calendly. I really encourage you to make an appointment with me. This is my ministry. There's no cost to meet with me to talk about your language learning time, and we love to do it. So with me, or I'll send you to one of our instructors or associates. So I surveyed a few missionaries in the medical professional fields before I created this presentation, and I got some permissions from them and some good quotes, and I wanted to share them with you. These are people that have been through our pre-field second language acquisition
horses and are now living as missionaries on the field. Uh, this quote comes from Ryan and Chelsea. They're missionary doctors in Niger. They said, good language is absolutely necessary for meaningful long-term ministry. Language ability also directly correlates with how long people remain on the field. He is the God of all languages, and nothing is too hard for him. We are believing that. So they sent me this quote and want to pass on their encouragement to you that language learning as a medical professional is really, really important and really worth it. They are still on the field. They are um, doing wonderful things in Niger and seeing God move and work in their own lives and in the lives of their friends around them. They've opened up different medical centers, and we're really proud of them. I'm, I'm really blessed to know them, and if they were here, they would just also want to tell you that they're glad that you're here thinking about language and culture learning right now. So I want to start out by talking about some of the barriers to learning a new language, okay? And we're going to talk about what are those barriers to long-term effectiveness and stability. The first thing is motivation. It is very well researched that the biggest predictor of success in second language acquisition for adults is motivation. Motivation can mean a lot of things for a lot of people, so I'm going to give you a minute or two to pull out a piece of paper or maybe your phone. You're allowed to take your phone out right now, wherever you're going to remember this later. And I want you to consider and jot down a couple of these questions. First of all, what is your motivation for serving? Why are you doing this? And because you had a special moment with the Lord, you felt called when you were younger, this is why you came into the medical profession, so that you could um, use skills other places. What are your biggest motivators in life in general? What motivates you? Think about a big change that you've had in your life, and why did you make that? Was it external or internal? And what happens, this is a really self-reflective question, what happens when you're not motivated to do something? What, is it, what does life look like when you're unmotivated? You know you have something to do, but you're unmotivated. And then what do you usually do to combat that? And then what helps you manage emotions, especially like your negative emotions? So take a few moments to jot down maybe why you want to go into the mission field or what motivates you in general or what helps you get through tough times. Take a minute and write that down. I'll give you a second. <clears throat> So keeping the big picture of why you wanted to do what we're here to talk about, keeping that big picture in mind is really important because what we are talking about, learning a new language, is extremely difficult. And a lot of you are going to find that this language learning piece is more difficult than the training that you went through to become a medical professional. 
because you didn't get a lot of help. There's not a lot of help out there to do it. It can be really tough. I was talking with a missionary today in Italy. She and her family have been there for five years, and um, she had a horrible experience in language school, didn't like it at all, wasn't very successful in learning Italian, but her kids were. She took her kids to soccer, and they got friends, and they started living their lives in Italian. Her husband was really successful in it, so their family stayed, but she felt really miserable. And by the grace of God, she um, found out about us and that we could offer some help for her, and she's feeling really motivated and refreshed to start doing language learning again so that their family can stay on the field so that all of them can be happy, healthy, and whole. And it was a reminder to me that motivation is more than just a want to. There are a lot of things in life. When we talk about learner motivation, everything in life affects how we feel about living overseas and learning language and culture. So there's got to be more than just this want to inside of us. There's got to be um, ways that we problem solve our own healthiness, our own spiritual health. And then we're going to talk about also policies and um, general political and team climate and things like that. All of those affect how you're feeling about language learning, which affects your motivation. There's good news that you there are ways to stay motivated and to stay on track. So we're going to talk about those too. It's not like watch out because you definitely will not feel motivated in the future to do these things. There are ways to do it. But this is really the first thing that we talk about in one of our language courses. And this is the big picture to keep in mind. So another kind of pitfall, especially for medical professionals that are going to be missionaries, we see that there's a little bit of lack of knowledge and skills for language and culture learning in general. So you want to combat that by doing some of these things listed. But I want to just say that you all are such a special group of people. Missions agencies are dying to recruit you to go to their hospital or their pharmacy or their places overseas and work with them and serve alongside them. Missions teams are praying for people like you to come and join them. You know, I hope you know, that you're really needed and wanted and God has prepared you for such a time as this. I'm really, really excited that you're considering this next step or already in the middle of serving overseas. That being said, that can work against you in some ways, guys, because the rest of the missionary world, if you're not a medical professional, they have to go through a lot of different trainings to be able to serve on the field, including uh, pre-field second language acquisition courses, cross-cultural communication, intercultural communication theory. And what we see a lot of the time is that if you're a medical professional, they're like, it doesn't matter, whatever, just come. We have translators, it's gonna be fine. And then that leads to burnout. You already have a high risk of burnout as medical professionals on the mission field. When, when you aren't given enough support to do language and cultural learning, or if you don't feel prepared and have the knowledge and skills that you need to do that, it just leads to quicker burnout and quicker leaving the field. And it's disappointing for you because you thought God had you there for a lot longer. So again, this is something I'm telling you kind of, that's what the pitfall is, but there are ways to avoid that. And one of the ways to avoid that is to do training in second language acquisition studies, take a cross-cultural communication course from a university or a college, 
There are people that are serving in the mission community that are called language coaches that meet with you and help you to do language learning. If you haven't heard of those or your agency doesn't offer those, send me an email and I can connect you with people who do that. And then I just want to encourage you, you may not be able to leave right now, maybe because of COVID or other reasons. Try to start learning the language now. You actually can get a lot done before you go. Take a course at a community college, get an online tutor and meet with someone face-to-face. There are a lot of different resources for you to be able to do language learning before you go. And those are the things that we see help medical professionals have the longevity that they want or intended to on the mission field, or at the very least help them to become more effective than they ever thought they could be, that they were prepared to do this language and culture learning thing. Okay. Uh, the next thing I wanna address are some of the policies. So something else, we kind of talked about it already. You guys are hot commodities in the mission field. You feel that the Lord wants you, or maybe you're not quite sure yet, but hopefully God is calling you to uh, missions work if that's where he wants you in your life. Uh, missions agencies really want you to come. You maybe got into the medical profession to share the, these skills and these resources. So people want you to go, and they want you to go right now, and they want you to be there right now. But then you get there, and maybe you never meet another medical professional who actually were very successful in language and culture learning. That is really, really common that um, you'll go to hospitals in different places, and a lot of people work through translators, or there's a very high turnover. Have any of you worked in hospitals overseas where it just there's a revolving door six months to a year, people come in and out. It's pretty common. It's really, really difficult to live and work in a place like that. So here's the things you want to ask, okay? If you haven't settled on a missions organization yet, you can ask these. Or if you already are with a missions organization, these are the questions you want to ask. And this is something you want to jot down too, okay? So number one, what do they want and expect from you in terms of language and cultural learning? They may not have an answer for you, but at least you'll know. What are the expectations? What have people done that have come before you? What have others done? Have they just shown up and then just started right away working and they work with translators? Do they expect you just to do some sort of tutoring situation in your free time? Have other people been given three months or six months of full-time language learning? Is there a language school that they recommend? Do they have a tutor in the hospital that's ready to help you learn? What are the expectations? Okay. Um, and then think about it for a second. What do you expect from yourself? Are you expecting to show up and want to live in Niger for the next 20 years of your life, so then you have to learn French and Hausa? Is that is that what you're expecting, and is that what you want? Do you want to be that kind of medical professional? Just kind of think through, um, how are you going to organize your time? And what are you hoping 
to do? What are your assumptions? And then you want to check those assumptions with your missions organization. A lot of these things with missionaries, they don't line up. What they think is supposed to happen or what they want, and then what their missions organization is going to require of them. And a lot of the time we see that these things, these conversations don't actually happen until somebody gets on the field. And these conversations are better done before you get there. Okay, so take this as your sign. You're sitting in this room. Write down some questions about language learning and ask these questions. And then the next thing I want to encourage you to ask them is, are these the, the expectations that they're giving you for language learning, whatever they tell you, are these across the board for every person in your organization, or are there exceptions uh, to language and cultural learning policies for medical professionals? And then think about how you feel about that. Yeah, well, we usually require everyone to do full-time two years of language learning, but you're a medical professional, so you can do whatever you want to do. If you want to just start working, you can go ahead and do that. So just see if the same policies line up. And then the good news is I'm a policy expert, okay? So I'm here to tell you that policies change, and they're very, very malleable. In fact, one of the key components of language policy is that it is ad hoc, so it's made up on the spot, and it's always contradictory. Mm -hmm. So what you heard one place probably isn't the same thing as something else somebody else has told you. So you can't just go on the missions organization website or the hospital website that you're going to or whatever and say, okay, where's the language learning policy? What do they want me to do? It's probably not there, and it may not be written anywhere. And if it is, there are probably all these kinds of exceptions that are contradictory to exactly what's written. So this is really good news for you, okay? My good news to you is, what do you want for language learning? Because it is always negotiable. It's what we do. I talk with people all day, every day. Missions organizations have more money and resources to pour into language learning than you probably know. And they would be so encouraged to hear someone ask for more time or more resources to be able to do language learning. And what that will signal to them is that you might be here for longer term. Or you're starting a new trend. So there's always room for changing and asking for what you want. So just main thing here, guys, ask those questions and get some of those expectations out of the air. And if they don't have any answers for you, offer up some suggestions or sign up for a time to meet with me and we can craft our own little policy in what you want and then you can go present it to them, okay? All right, last thing here before we move on to some bigger recommendations. Uh, one of the pitfalls of every single language learner around the world, every single missionary, is that life happens and we don't actually plan for those setbacks. But I will tell you right now, if you are a human, then you are going to have setbacks in your language and culture learning plan and your time on the field. And it's not going to be, it's kind of like our journey to faith. It's our journey of faith. It's never like this. I mean, maybe for some of you, your faith journey looks like this. But mine does not look like this. Mine looks like this. <laughs> yeah, and then, and then, and then. You know, like that. This is language and culture learning, too. It's like that. So you've got to plan for those down times. So the, the things that happen, you already know. It's the stuff that happens here, except now it's going to happen when you're this pressure cooker of a different culture and a different place and a different language and all these different expectations on you. Fa 
family stuff is going to happen. Babies, maybe they're planned, maybe they're not. But language learning certainly doesn't go the same when you add new people into your family. Physical health issues, disasters, pandemics, your mental health can take a dive. Culture stress alone is enough to give you some setbacks. You have spiritual battle, relationship team dynamic, all of these things that happen as a missionary, all of that is going to affect your plan for language and culture learning and effectiveness and longevity in ministry on the field. So how to plan for those things means that you need to have someone that's asking you about language and culture learning, that has your best interests at heart, that you have local friends and people around you that are supporting you and cheering you on and helping you with all of these other life things so that you can recover and get back to it. Okay, you are going to need periods of recovery. You're going to have setbacks, but you need to have support systems and plans in place for that. Those things happen. It's fine. But if you already know that they're going to happen, at the very least, you can kind of plan for it. This is a note from a medical doctor who lives in Southeast Asia. Her husband's running around the conference somewhere. Uh, She was in one of our courses, Elizabeth. She said, aside from highly recommending your language acquisition course for anyone moving abroad, I would note that the perfectionism of medical professionals can be a barrier to language learning. Does that ring a bell to anybody? Is anybody a perfectionist? Medical professionals and people in academia have a lot in common. Thinking about second language acquisition in conjunction with application of phonetics, which is a sound system thing and learning pronunciation of a language, was basically absent from her previous formal language learning experiences. It was transformative. Seeing the language learning as a ministry and not a prerequisite to ministry was also life-changing. There's a lot to unpack in what she said, and I'll just say she's a mom of four little kids, too. So there's a lot of wisdom in here. Number one, be prepared and have some knowledge under your belt. And I really like what she mentioned at the last part here. Language learning, see it as a ministry and not as a barrier to ministry. And we're going to talk a little bit more about that. We're going to hang on to that. We're all missionaries. We're all brothers and sisters in Christ. So let's pull some motivation from the Bible, shall we? Revelation 7, 9, and 11, does anybody know what that is? Yeah. After this, I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes, palm branches in their hands, and crying out with a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And all the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures, and they fell on their faces before the throne and worshiped God. Revelation 7, 9, and 11 is my favorite missionary passage. So I've come up with this little catchphrase, okay? Be a revelationary Christian. After this, I looked and behold a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages. I think it's so interesting that as God gives us a picture of heaven, he talks about language. Language is important to the Lord. 
So if we're a revelationary Christian, language is also important to us, too, to be able to relate with other people in the language that God gave them instead of needing them to learn our language so that we can relate with them. If you think about it, this is the ministry of Christ as well. He came and became one of us and was among us. That's what we're doing as we're as we're Christians and representatives of Christ. You want to cross that bridge. We don't want to make other people always have to cross the bridge over to us to come over here. And a big part of that is learning language. Do you feel motivated? <laughs> okay, let's move on here. This is a slide about attitude. I don't really want to talk about it as much, okay? Let's suffice it to say that you are going to have great positive emotions about language and culture learning and be a missionary, and you are also going to have the opposite effect. I don't think any of us need to be reminded that there's a verse in the Bible that tells us don't complain and all of that. Let's just move on to the next thing. Okay. There's a little slide there about history and power. I'll, I'll just say something quick like this. Um, people who look like you, what is the history of people who look like you in the place that you want to go? What did they do? How might people historically look at people who look like you? And do you want that on your shoulders? Or do you want to be different? And if you want to be different, learn their language. It's as simple as that. Uh, my friend Jeff, who's a mental health counselor to missionaries, said this. This is a big, this is a big help for us to not be like the people that we don't want to be like. If you don't have one national friend where you live who isn't an English speaker, who actually knows the language and lives there, the likelihood of long-term service is really reduced. If it never feels like home, you're always fighting to stay somewhere foreign. He was a missionary in Russia, and he's a licensed professional mental health counselor and does similar things that I do all day, except he deals with the mental health side of things. And he gives this wisdom to us to help us know that it's not just about us going somewhere. It's about the people that you're going to meet, and you're going to need friends. And you're going to need to pray, even right now, start praying that God picks a friend for you that's from the place that you're going, and that knows the language that you're trying to learn. It makes all the difference. It makes all the difference. Let them serve you by being your friend and seeing you be needy too. It is the biggest boost of motivation and making you feel like you have a place in society and a home where God has called you to. All right. Some of you might be a little more data-driven here. I'm trying to hit it all. Do you see? I'm trying to hit common pitfalls. We've got some Bible. Let's go to the data. Okay, so uh, I did a little studying and, and researching. Evidence is very clear. Patients need medical professionals who speak their language. 
And I don't want to say this to say that there is absolutely no value in doing work with translators. One of the hardest things that I do is talk with people who are medical professionals, uh, maybe a, a family doctor, okay? And they're in a place where there are no other family doctors around. And they know that they could be saving someone's life if they go to the hospital right now. And instead, they're spending time doing language learning. And that is a big tension. Go save someone's life with the translator or delay that time and spend time doing language and cultural learning first. It's very, very difficult tension and I do not envy you all. No matter what your field is, and the medical professional, all the ones that you guys mentioned, those are serious and there are serious needs in the world for people like you. And here you are in a room talking about language and culture learning. So let me just show you some research, okay? Um, I read this study, it's from 2015, it's called Overcoming Language Barriers in Healthcare, a Protocol for Investigating Safe and Effective Communication When Patients or Clinicians Use a Second Language. It's from BMC Health Services Research. Um, that's on the slides. The slides are in the whatever extra resources for this presentation you can look up later. I'm just going to read this here for you out loud. Language discrepancies may result in increased psychological stress and medically significant communication errors for already anxious patients, something to which patients in language congruent encounters, so shared primary language, are less vulnerable. Moreover, it's not just language that can cause barriers to equitable health care. Inequities inherent in social dynamic of the patient-practitioner encounter are well documented, and these inequities occur independent of whether primary language is shared. Understanding language in the context of a medical encounter is thus critical for understanding the problems that might result when patients and healthcare practitioners speak a different primary language. There are so many studies out there that have been done to basically determine what happens when you've got medical practitioners who speak uh, a common language with the patients and then those who don't, and then what happens. Okay, so data is very clear that the patient has a better outcome if there is a shared language between the medical provider and the patient. So I just wanted to throw that out there for you guys. This isn't just something ideal. This is, this is stuff that really matters. Okay, so here's some practicalities. What do we need to do? All right, so we talked about policies. Advocate for yourself to give yourself some time to learn language. So I, I recommend that you ask for time to focus on language learning from the beginning. Don't get there and say, well, if this works out in a year, then I'll do language learning after that. So many studies show that if you start language learning right from the start, you're going to have a better time. You're going to be happier. You're going to be more effective, and you'll be able to stay longer. Um, you want to sustain language learning throughout your time on field, whether you're going to be there for three months or 30 years. Uh, one of my good friends was a missionary in Russia for, I don't know, 15, 20 years. He has his PhD in second language acquisition. He was the president of a university in Russia while he was a missionary. He met with a language helper until they left Russia. That is what the experts do. So just plan on making language learning a part of your life from the start to the finish. Um, this is something that medical professionals find really helpful to think of never taking a break from language learning to practice medicine. 
or what other field you're in, but instead try to incorporate it into your lives. Practice it with your patients. Find people at the medical centers that you're working with and go there and do language learning and language practice so that you can still be there, you can still learn, you're still a part of the medical community and you're not isolated from it. There are other people that think that it's more effective to stay away from the hospitals and the medical centers until you get a little bit of language learning under your belt. Um, there's kind of conflicting views there. I don't know. I think you can meet an appointment with me and we can talk about it for you and your field may have a set precedent or something like that. Ask for accountability and language assessments. Ask for somebody in your organization to check up on you with language learning and see how you're doing. Ask for help. Email me, email ICCT, ask for help from your team leaders, your missions organization, ask them for help and resources for language learning. Make sure to put it in your prayer bulletins and your prayer emails so that people will pray for you about that. Um, and then think of, like, set a goal. We have these things called proficiency goals for language. So make a goal to set. I can, I can talk with you about that if you want to talk more about that, but there's something called the American Council on the Teaching of Foreign Languages, and there are numbers and systems, and maybe you can set yourself a goal that you can mark off that really helps, and then just ask for resources. You just need to see what kind of money's in the budget and ask for a little bit more, whatever it is. Ask for a little more time. And then for most missions agencies, pre-field second language is not optional, so I'm not telling you something to do that you may not already be required to do. It's usually required for most people, but like I said, times that it, it doesn't always help you. So think about doing pre-field second language acquisition. You can take it from us. There's a place in Colorado called Machinery Training International, a place in North Carolina, Center for International Training. There's, um, I think we're the three main ones. So any, you can talk with me if you want to kind of figure out what else is out there. And then make a plan. How long are you going to do language learning? Are you going to do full-time, part-time? You're going to do it an hour a week? 20 hours a week, what's your plan there? And do a little bit of research. What kind of language school options? What kind of tutors do you have? Are there other methods? Some, have you heard of growing participator approach or LAMP? There's different things. What have other people in your field and in that country done to do language learning? You just need to get a feel for what are the options that people have used. If you take a second language acquisition course with us, that's part of our courses is to help you figure out these methods. I will tell you, the method that you use doesn't really matter, okay? There is no silver bullet for language learning. What matters is how you use your time, okay? And if you know what you're doing, then whatever method you have at your resource, at your fingertips, is gonna be fine, whatever language school or tutor or whatever. And then we really do recommend having a language coach, so ask your missions organization if they have people like that who can check in on you. Plan. We're going to skip through that. You do need a point of evaluation in your language learning. So if you're going for two years, do an evaluation point every three months. If you're going for 10 years, do an evaluation point every three months and then every six months and then once a year to keep yourself on track. Uh, my last kind of thing is to remind you about the revolutionary Christian, revolutionary medical professionals show Jesus. When you make an effort to learn the language and culture that you're at, it's not just practical for the ways that you are there serving people, but it's also embodying Christ and what he did for us too. Okay, there's my calendar. 
my email, our website. I would love for you to reach out to me and let's do consultations. What questions do you guys have? You can be very specific or you can be very general. I talk to people like you all day, every day. If you're going to ask a question, either speak loudly or come closer. Um, is learning a second language or like medical language more challenging for people? Like if you're going to relate to other medical workers in their language, like is that a lot more challenging or is it kind of just falling under language in general? Yeah, that's a really good point. So I mentioned proficiency levels. So in general, no matter what language learning situation you're going to be in, you want to think about building a good foundation of language in general. That's the idea of proficiency. Okay, and then at every proficiency level, even when you're a beginner, you can start learning some of the medical language. So what kind of medical language, what, what field are you in? Yeah, so I'm working with a learner right now who's going to be a doctor in Pakistan, and she's learning Urdu. She's a very, very beginner, and we're learning. she's learning greetings and self-introductions. And she finished that unit, she feels like she got it. I mean, she's like super beginner, level zero, okay? The next unit that she's created to work with her language helper is that uh, patient-doctor intake greeting situation. So what we're doing with her is helping her to see with a language helper, is there anything different about that encounter than just meeting someone on the street or a neighbor that you have? You know, does the formality change? Are there different vocabulary that they use as a greeting? And that's medical language, you know? So when you think about language learning, we usually think of vocabulary, grammar, pronunciation, but that's actually just one fourth of this idea of what's called communicative competence. That's one fourth of it. Another part of it is sociolinguistic competence where you're using language appropriately. So part of medical language, I guess what I'm saying is, medical language for you is also gonna be just how, how the stuff that you already are learning, how does that change as you are a doctor and how you interact with your patients? And then you go step by step, okay? So maybe you don't need to memorize all of the medical instruments. Not really necessary. It's like the same thing that I did when I moved to China. I put sticky notes around my apartment and labeled everything. Well, let me tell you how often I use the word cabinet in Chinese. Not very often. So same thing with like medical instruments. You don't want to just start off memorizing a whole list of vocabulary or something. When you're, when you're thinking about medical language, you need to think about interactions and tasks. And you kind of learn it that way. And you start out really simple, but then it gets more complicated as your proficiency level increases. So my answer is, you're probably not going to find a lot of resources out there that'll help you learn medical language really well, but you can do it with a language helper or a tutor along the way when you think about the language interactions that you have or going to have in the hospital. Does that help? Okay, so it's basically like just work on language learning in general and you'll be fine. And then maybe you can pick up a few vocabulary things along the way and then adjust your interactions. That's a really good question.
also a motivational loss, which is I think something that everyone here struggles with, you know, in some way. And I like your illustration of you know language learning as kind of um, not always just like a, a straight hill. Well, I guess what are some tips you have for when you're doing language learning and you and you have that long term goal, but you're kind of in a valley. You know, what are, what are some tips you got out of that? Yeah, that's a really good question. Are you doing language learning right now? Um, yeah, I'm learning Korean. So. You're learning Korean? That's awesome. So I like to refer to this idea of the success cycle. Have you ever heard of that? It's kind of just the idea that success breeds more success. So if you're, if I've got a learner that's learning Korean and they're just like, oh, I don't know if I'm getting anywhere. I don't know if this is making a difference. I mean, I'm spending time, but what am I really able to do? And I just feel like I don't even know if I can have conversations. The first step I like to do is have them do a proficiency self-assessment checklist. And you can email me for that if you'd like. So there are a couple different simple checklists that'll help you go through different proficiency levels and say, yeah, I can do that, and ask you how well I can do that. And so it shows you that you're not at level zero and that you've actually had some success. And it also gives you some specific tasks on what's a thing you can maybe work on next. And we find that that's generally enough to give people a little extra boost, like, man, I've, I've actually been doing it. So it's the success thing of, like, you've had success before. You're actually learning the language. Now here's the next step that you could take. Another thing is sometimes people just need to have a good interaction in the language. So if you're learning Korean, uh, you need probably a Korean language helper or a Korean tutor. So you can go on a website like italki.com, I T-I-L-K-I.com, and you can hire somebody for like $5 an hour to meet with you in Korean, 30 minutes to an hour, once a week, and you can have little conversations and start playing games with them. Just in bringing in another person from, kind of like what my friend Jeff said, having a friend who actually is a native speaker of that language can sometimes usually give you enough motivation to help you at least do the next thing. Does that help? Yeah, that's a really good question. So, uh, say I've got you know a year or two left still in training, so I'm not going anywhere anytime soon, um, and don't know where I would be going. Uh, so, don't necessarily know you know I should focus on Korean or French or Hausa. Uh, what are kind of steps for language learning here, not knowing what may be applicable in the future, but maybe the skills involved in learning languages, like basics, uh, you know, where to start not knowing what the end goal is? Yeah, that's a really good question. Do you have any sort of inkling of an area of the world that you feel called to? Um, we'll say no. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So you have a couple of options there. When it gets to um, maybe a year out from your training, you could take a pre-field second language acquisition course. Initially, interestingly, these pre-field second language acquisition courses that missionaries from North America take, everybody there was a main place that everybody took them. They went to Toronto Institute of Linguistics. It started in the 50s or 60s, had to close down for reasons in the late 80s. And people did that one or two years before they left for the mission field sometimes. 
and it was general knowledge in second language acquisition and linguistics. So taking a course like that, you can take one online with us, you can do some stuff through one of the other two organizations that I mentioned. Doing that is actually really helpful. And when you do a class, like if you take ours, for example, I'm not trying, I'm not here trying to push ours or whatever, but for example, if you take ours, we ask you to get a language helper from a target language. So you just pick a language that you seem to be interested in. So maybe it's Arabic. So we, you get a language helper from a website or you, maybe you know somebody and we walk you through learning a few different dialogues with that person. And that gives you some experience and some knowledge and, and you'll be a lot more successful when you get ready to learn a different type of language. And then you build a relationship with us and then you reach out to us again once you figure out where you're going and we help you out with the phonetics and the pronunciation of that language. So that's one option you have. Another option is we know that people who have learned other languages before are more successful in learning other languages. So you could just find um, a website that offers one-on-one -on -one tutoring or language help or take an online community uh, college course in you know, like a month-long Spanish class or something like that, like actually try to learn a little bit of some language. That will give you a bit of a head start as well because if you have learned another language before, it's easier for you to learn another language, partially just because your brain kind of understands then how different languages can be. And you have some experience in um, what activities worked for you and what didn't and that kind of thing. Does that help? Yep. Yeah, that's really cool that you're thinking about it ahead of time. That's good. Anything else? Anybody have a specific question that you'd like to ask? Okay, great. Well, I'll stay on for a little bit longer up here if you want to come closer. I, I think you can probably organize that. Otherwise, I would really love to hear from you by email or just sign up for a consultation time on my calendar. I think I already got some buzzes of some of you signing up for times with me, so that's great. We start out with 30-minute slots, and we can just kind of talk about where you are. Thank you so much. Let me pray for you before you go really quickly. God, I thank you so much for bringing this group of people here to think about language and culture learning. You talk about languages in the Bible, in your holy book. You help us to think about it. It's really important to you. And we thank you, God, that you're helping us to understand that it should be important to us, too. If these people are learning languages in the future or now, God, I just ask for language learning, grace, and mercies on them, that you would help them to learn really well and really efficiently, and that they would be wonderful representatives of your son wherever you send them in life, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray.